electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Thanks, Wilfred and Sarah. I'm Dominic Chewin from Melissa Lee, and this is The Big Show, Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, you've got Jeff Mills, Steve Grasso, Bono and Eisen, and BK, Brian Kelly. Tonight, on Fast, a semi-charged kind of deal. Xilinx shares shooting higher on some mega merger news. Those full details and how to play it, that's coming up straight ahead. Plus, it's our call of the day. Goldman Sachs says buy General Electric. Find out if our traders agree. That stock up 3% today. And later on, pack your bags because we are riding the rails. Why now could be the perfect time to get out on board with the train stocks. But we will start first with a strong finish to a strong week. Stocks pushing higher again today on renewed hopes, yes, hopes, that a stimulus deal may finally be on the way. The S&P gaining eight-tenths of a percent to close out its best week since early July. And the strength was pretty broad-based. Look there. You've got semiconductors, home builders, retail, healthcare, transportation stocks. All of those ETFs attract those hitting some record highs in today's session. But we are about to kick off earnings season as well. So let's pose this question to you, Steve Grasso. How are you positioned heading into a week and a few weeks and maybe a couple months full of microeconomic company-specific catalysts? So, so, Dom, I was uh, a, a little bit early to start the rotation myself into the value trade out of tech. And now when we see that the chances of a Biden win are increasing, you're starting to see a reflation trade. So you don't want to be in an inflationary environment. You don't want to be in tech. You don't want to be in tech with a Biden election because there's a regulatory risk you're going to have an inflationary risk along here. And also, cap gains taxes are going to double. So what does that mean? You want to sell your winners now, and that's where everyone kind of crowded into tech. So you're going to want to sell them before the end of the year, and you're going to want to buy what hasn't been performing, and that's value. And for me, market went from Fed to vaccine to stimulus Cut out all the noise, buy the things that haven't performed because those are the things that should perform in the first quarter or so and going forward within a Biden election. Obviously, it's a leap of faith, but we've seen value outperform as of recent for the first time with any length of time in a while. Now, now Steve, let me just follow up very briefly with you. Why do you say that the likelihood of a Biden presidency increasing is good for inflationary type or reflationary type stocks? Well, if you, if you look at it this way, you've seen the 10-year uh, jump. Now, obviously, we know where, where the chairman is on, on rates, but rates can move higher without the, the, the Fed. So if you look at the 10-year, the 10-year's jumped 55% on a yield basis, at least, since August. It's jumped 20% in the last handful of days. So when you're in tech, you don't want to be in tech in an inflationary environment because 
the 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 thing the cost of things that they're selling and the cost of things that their their costs aren't the, aren't the same. You want to be with them in a deflationary environment. You want to have pricing power. So pricing power comes with value stocks. Those are the ones that could raise their prices. Technology, you never raise prices. It's just the cost of goods. All right, so there's a, there's a thought as well out there that possibly more infrastructure gets put into play. You got things like, you know, construction aggregates, building machinery, sure. that sort of thing. Brian Kelly, I, I see you out there nodding. Is this an environment, I mean, yeah. we've talked about this kind of value rotation for a while, and every time you think you got it, it was a head fake. It lasts for like one or two weeks, and it goes right back to mega cap tech. Are we to believe this time yeah. that there is, a, there is a real sustainable move towards rotating into value? I, I think so. I think but rotating into value and the cyclicals and the names that would do well under stimulus. I think the game changer here, what investors have to realize, is that both parties now want stimulus. So Trump is saying, I want even more than the $2.2 trillion that the Democrats are saying. And the Democrats are saying $2.2 trillion. I don't think a deal gets done before the election, but that doesn't matter to the market because the market's looking six months ahead and the market's saying no matter who wins, we are going to have stimulus. And to your point about how that impacts the other stocks and value, if you look at what the Fed did, all they did was put a bid under financial assets. So, uh, you know, bonds and, and uh, investment grade bonds. But if you actually have fiscal stimulus, money going into people's pockets, projects being done, jobs being created, besides just on Wall Street and a couple of hedge fund guys getting richer than they already were, that is real economic activity. And that's what Wall Street's looking at. And that's why earnings don't matter as much. All right. If earnings don't matter as much, Bonowin. Why are we going to pay such close attention to what's happening with earnings season? We've got all the big banks starting off next week. We've got a lot more catalysts. We've got a lot more commentary coming out. How important are earnings, given what BK just said? I don't want to put words in BK's mouth, but I think what he's saying is that earnings don't matter as much vis-a-vis -vis your normal earnings calendar, given that we have on-deck stimulus and infrastructure, you know, build out. So I, I think it's really a, a relative statement as opposed to him saying that earnings don't matter. I mean, they, they matter. They give you insight as to how we're emerging from what has been a historical recession and how companies are going to be positioned for, what type of guidance they're going to give. I mean, I understand what the guys are saying in terms of the rotation into value. I mean, Grasso has been all over that, and it makes a lot of sense. The, the one caveat that I would put out there is if we are going to get a blue sweep, I would be hesitant still about the energy sector. Now, I know it's been a laggard. It's been the laggard, the poster child of laggards. But I'm still hesitant to deploy capital there because of the re regulatory risk that is likely coming down the pipe if, indeed, we do have Biden winning the election. All right, Mr. Mills, I, I come to you now because now we've got a little bit of that context. Now we've got the, uh, the view from your side of things, how you would position portfolios is this really something that you can believe in, this idea that value will now maybe outperform on more than just a one or two week basis? And if so, what parts of value are the most intriguing to you? Is it energy, financials, beaten up retail, bricks and mortar, that sort of thing? There's a whole bunch of stuff that you can put on that shopping list. Yeah, no question. And that's been the question of the day. And I'd like to disagree just to make things interesting a little bit. But we have been positioned in a way where our positioning is going to benefit from a rotation into value, a rotation into cyclicality. I've been a little skeptical related to the timing, thinking we were a little bit early even now. 
But what the market is telling you is investors are looking at the polls, they're seeing the potential for this blue wave, and then they're seeing the potential for an even larger stimulus package. So what does that mean? That means dollar negative most likely. So what have you seen since the dollar's turned? You've seen materials start to outperform. They have the highest foreign revenue exposure when looking at the S&P 500. You've seen emerging markets start to outperform. You've seen the long end of this curve start to go up a little bit. So I think that's helped the rotation into value. And then you have to assume that if we get this big stimulus package, at least near term, it's going to be a boost to the economy. So that's why I think you're seeing that move in small cap. So I think unless something changes relative to the outlook for the election, I think that's what the performance profile looks like for the next few weeks at least. All right. So what part? If there was one industry group that you think is going to be the key to this big reflation trade, what is it going to be? So I like materials and I like industrials. I think they're both going to benefit. So materials from the weaker dollar, I think you're already starting to see it. And then industrials, I think, are going to benefit kind of regardless of the political environment. I think you get the economic recovery. I think if you get a big infrastructure build, industrials benefit. I think even if you get this, this green energy push, some sort of transition in the energy grid, you're going to need big equipment, machinery. So companies like Caterpillar I like. So I would focus on those two areas. All right. Speaking of that economic cyclicality, let's move along here. We're going to check on the Dow Transportation Index. That index hitting a new all-time high today. And our own Jim Cramer sees big opportunities in the railroad stocks. His picks in the space, Union Pacific and Norfolk Southern. So will these names chug higher? Jeff Mills, we will start with you on this one first. Those transports, they do have some momentum for at least the first time in a long time. Yeah, and I think I like the rails here. And we've talked about FedEx a lot. I still like that story. I think you get a recovery in global trade, and I think UPS and FedEx probably haven't totally absorbed the benefit of all of that. But in terms of the rails, I think there's a story that goes along with what I was just saying in terms of bigger stimulus, negative dollar, good for materials. And Jim Cramer said in his show when he was talking about the rails, he said, look, what moves around those materials? It's the railroads. So when you look at the charts of Norfolk Southern, when you look at the charts of Union Pacific, they're breaking out to new highs. And given that environment I'm describing, I think you can still do well and play that momentum higher. Steve Grasso, what do you think? Is this a transportation? Is it validating what we're seeing in the overall market? Well, first of all, look at it this way. When people buy value, the first thing they buy and the safest thing that they think of in cyclicals are the rails. And I think uh, uh, Mr. Mills just brought up an interesting point. When they go for the rails first, what they go for second is materials. So now if you're buying what they're lugging around, you have a double win there. So they dip their toe in the rails. Materials are the next to perform. So I think you're still okay buying the railroads in this early in the rotation into value. All right, BK, what do we think here? Do you believe it, the transports? I, I, do, on, I do on the trains, right, and the, and the rails for sure. So separate the, the transports into your airlines, rails, and truckers. Truckers have already done very, very well because of COVID and because of uh, working and shopping from home. I think the rails certainly have a place here, uh, and probably of the three kind of subsectors within that, I want to be in the choo-choo trains. All right, choo-choo trains for sure. That's a big <laughs> one there. Let's stick with that here. Now, let's go with Kramer's Opportunity Zones again and stick with it. He's also seeing some strength in the packaging stock, specifically companies like International Paper and Westrock. Grasso, I know you've been a fan of Westrock for quite some time now. Let's take us through your thesis and whether or not 
cardboard and packaging really has more legs. Right. So look at it this way. It's the cheapest way to play the boom in e-commerce because obviously the more packages you buy, the more uh, container board that you're going to need, the more packaging you're going to need. But then let's look another reason, Dom. ESG. How much do you cover ESG in your world on an ongoing basis? People are moving away from plastic, moving to paper. That's one of the second themes in, the, in this right now. And then, for the first time in a while or if ever, China is starting to buy container board from us. They don't have enough trees, and the export data is showing this or starting to show this. That is going to be a big boom for the industry. Now, the last one, pricing. The whole bear thesis has been supply-demand, and it's not in the favor of the bulls. This time, it's actually starting to be in the favor of the bulls. Westrock has miles to perform ahead of where it's performed so far. All right. Packaging for sure. Big deal there. All right, guys, thank you very much for that. Coming up on the show, we've got a $30 billion chip shot, if you will. AMD reportedly in talks with Xilinx. So is this deal a hole-in-one for investors? Get what I did there. We're digging in. And later on, a big buy call sending General Electric shares soaring today. But one of our traders says it just doesn't fly. We'll explain why when Fast Money returns after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. There could be a $30 billion chip deal in the works. Now, the Wall Street Journal is reporting that AMD is eyeing Xilinx for a possible acquisition. That news sending Xilinx shares shooting higher today. Bonowin, what do we think of this deal? Is it the right one? This is just the latest in a bunch of chip consolidation over the course of the last four or five years. Yeah, it's been a pretty uh, massive land grab indeed. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. And I want to separate whether the deal makes sense or whether it will actually happen because as has been mentioned, uh, you know, Xilinx has rebuffed previous overtures in the past. So if you put it through the lens of their AMD is clearly identifying Intel as its primary competitor, they're looking to replicate and overtake a competitor while they are in somewhat of a compromised situation as the shares of Intel have indicated. I think it makes sense from that point of view and then from, you know, from the data center point of view as well. Now, I, I've heard, I realize I'm in the minority here. I understand all the contrarian views, particularly when you look at um, Intel's previous uh, edition of Altera. But I think this is a situation where you've seen a land grab. You have a competitor that is in a com compromised situation. The shares are suffering. And it's a prime opportunity for them to, to take advantage of that. No. So through that lens, I, I, I definitely follow the logic there. All right. So, so, BK, is this the right deal? Or is there another one that maybe makes more sense to you in your mind, hypothetically, sometime down the line? 
Yeah, I'm not. Sh- yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if there's necessarily a better deal, right? In the semi, in the semi sector, you're going to be buying different segments and kind of verticals in a sense. So, um, you know, from a strategic point of view, I think it makes sense in that the stock prices, at least for AMD uh, and the rest of some of the semis, have done pretty well. So your currency is actually your your stock currency is doing pretty well. So I think from the investor's perspective, right? I want to buy a broad swath of these because as this consolidation continues, I'm going to uh, I'm going to benefit. And I don't really have to be smart enough to pick which one's next. So you look at like SMH. That's the way I play it. Breaking out, you know, new highs. That's how I want to be playing this whole thing. All right, that big chip deal for sure. If it does come to fruition. It's been a while since we've said advanced micro devices as the acquirer in this kind of a scenario. I remember not, not so far long ago, it was kind of given up for dead. But anyway, congratulations if they get a deal done. Obviously still in the works. Reportedly, we'll see what happens. All right, well, coming up on the show, shares of General Electric getting a nice pop. But is it too soon to bet on this turnaround trade? Your call of the day is coming up straight ahead. And later on in options action, we are going global the one region of the world that could be really ready to rally and how you can trade it. Stick around. Fast Money is back in two minutes. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our call of the day. It's shares of GE surging after Goldman Sachs hit the stock with a buy rating. Analysts saying GE is the ultimate self-help vaccine leverage story in the industrial sector and has 50 percent upside from here, possibly. Steve Grasso, your take on the call. Is it something where we can say GE is finally a buy? So I've been long GE for quite some time, not not that far uh, above the level where it's currently trading at. I, I think if you look at it this way, Dom, I was really impressed that they said that this company is going to come out stronger than when it went into the pandemic. But if you look at it on technicals, if you look at it on trading levels, 548 is where what it's been the recent low. And if you look at where it traded back during the financial crisis, that was 550, Dom. So I do think that you're okay to buy this. Technically, it looks like it has the ability to break out. $7 has been resistance. I'm sticking with it. I think it has the ability to double from here as well. Jeff Mills, you mentioned industrials before. Is GE on that shopping list in industrials for you? So I think it's part of the story, right? And we talked about this Tuesday night, and, and Steve's got a great point. You know, between that 6 and $7 level, it seems to have really good support. But I also agree with the note in Goldman saying that maybe they're a little bit early on the call. You know, I think about their 2019 revenues, 
34% tied to aviation. I think my point of view on the airlines and that general industry is probably pretty well known at this point. You saw uh, Boeing come out this week and talk about the extension of the timeline for aircraft demand. It's, it's probably going to be longer than they anticipated. So although I think you're safe to buy the stock here because there's limited downside, I think you may have to be patient for a really robust recovery. All right. Patience for a lot of GE investors has been something that they've been dealing with for quite some time. It's now time for the final trade. Bono and Ice, and we start with you. I'm looking to get that old thing back. I was long, got out of it. Peloton has been on an absolute tear. If it pulls back to the $100 range, I'm looking to retrench. All right, Peloton. Jeff Mills, how about you? DraftKings, it's been all over the place. I was a seller at 55. I'm still a seller at 49. I think you have 15 to 20% downside. You reload at 40. All right, Steve Grasso. Trinseo, it's going to double. TSE. All right, TSE and BK. Brian Kelly to you. The last word. Freeport Mac, put it in your stock sack. I like that one. Gold and copper. All right, thanks very much, guys. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week for sure. Coming up next, we are tracking Hurricane Delta. As it closes in on the Gulf Coast, we have a live report from CNBC's Shepard Smith on the other side of this quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back. We are following a developing story out of the Gulf of Mexico region as Hurricane Delta takes aim over there. You can see by the map. Let's get right out to CNBC's Shepard Smith with the latest there. Shep, it does look like it could be terrible for the folks out there in Louisiana and Mississippi. Not going to be good. Not at all, Dom. The the latest is a 5 o'clock update, 5 Eastern. We just got that. I'll bring it to you. First, if you look at the top edge of this, it's so close to land, it's incredible. It looks like that eye is going to go over parts of Lake Charles and to points east. A lot of rain has happened already. Jackson, Mississippi, over the last 24 hours, they're estimating 10 inches, 7 to 8 inches around Lake Charles. And if you look at the cone for this thing, it's not just a coast storm. This thing is going to go inland and rain and rain and rain. I want to show you the the cone of uncertainty, if you will, for this storm. And there it is. Category two when it comes ashore, and then it'll weaken very quickly. Still be a tropical system, but not a hurricane. As it moves up, skirts along Natchez, Mississippi, into the Jackson, Mississippi area. Jackson, Mississippi, going to have rain for at least the next 24 hours. This storm has weakened a little bit, but not since the last report. The new update from the National Hurricane Center has the central pressure at 966 millibars, which is up, and that means this storm is weakening. If you look at, if you go back to that last uh, loop, you can see at the bottom, see how the eye is breaking up on the bottom? That's sheer. The eye is falling apart a little bit. Not a moment too soon. Let's go to Lafayette, Louisiana. NBC's Jay Gray is there for us. Wow, he's getting wet. How are you, Jay? Hey, Chef. Well, conditions really intensifying over the last 30, 45 minutes. The rain picking up, the wind as well. We've had some gusts up to tropical storm strength. I want to walk you down to the Vermilion River, and this is what you see. All this, it's already over its banks here. That's going to be a big problem. We've got six, maybe seven hours of these conditions left to go. We're going to see sheets of rain continue to fall in the Lafayette area. We could see up to a foot of rain before it's all said and done, and wind gusts that are going to be over hurricane strength. Again, it's going to be a real rough ride here for the next six or seven hours. And as you were talking about, Chef, this is an area here, Lake Charles, just to the west that's already been dealing with the effects of Laura, a Category 4 storm. So they've been working for six weeks, now worried that that work's going to be washed away by this storm as it moves in. 
Mighty tough. Jay Gray, one of four correspondents we have in the eye of the storm. I want to show you this storm surge and exactly what that's going to be like. He said Vermilion. They're expecting up to 11 feet of storm surge there, much less over by New Orleans, mouth of the Mississippi, two to four feet, Lake Pontchartrain, one to three feet. So it's not going to be horrible near New Orleans. But on the west side of Louisiana, Lake Charles, which just got battered at the end of August, they still don't have roofs on most of their houses. That place is about to get hit again. The whole hour at 7 Eastern tonight on the News with Shepard Smith, we'll have you covered up and down the coast. Dom, back to you. All right, Shep, we'll all be tuned in. Thank you very much for the update on what's happening with Hurricane Delta. Coming up next on this particular show, we got options action. Keep it right here. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.